We're at, uh, now at Nehemiah chapter 4. And two weeks ago, we, were, we ended Nehemiah chapter 3, where we talked about just the list of those that were involved in the work of building the wall. And we talked a lot about the blessing of teamwork. Isn't that amazing that we talk about teamwork and we see teamwork displayed in God's Word? Teamwork is so important. And I think that we can pick up on that of teamwork today as we go from teamwork to a message today titled, A Mind to Work. A Mind to Work. For the next two weeks, we're going to have a, a mini-series within Nehemiah on one of the most important topics that we all face as even Christian believers. It does not matter what stage in life you are in. It doesn't matter you know, whether you're single or you're married or you have children or you don't. Everyone goes through a phase and a season of discouragement. <laughs> and I think it's very important that we know how to overcome discouragement. Today we're going to talk about how to overcome discouragement. This week and next week, how to overcome discouragement part one. It was William Carey, a British minister, that said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. <laughs> Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Now we see here that Nehemiah is attempting a great thing for God. And he's also going to expect a great thing from God. How is he going to expect a great thing from God? He's going to expect restoration. He's going to expect restoration from a time of ruin. Expecting something great and attempting something great. But now we see that in this chapter the walls are defended against the enemy. And maybe today you feel some pressure. Some pressure against the walls of your house. Some pressures against the walls of your own life, of your own heart, of uh, your own mind. Your finances, you feel that pressure. Maybe you feel the pressure at, at work or at school, in your marriage with your children. You feel the pressure of the world around you. The pressure. It's building up. Well, you know what's something comforting here about Nehemiah chapter 4? That from chapter 4 to chapter 6, it's all about spiritual warfare. The pressure, the spiritual warfare, the opposition, the discouragement, right? I think we would all be comfortable in saying that we have faced seasons of opposition, of discouragement. But it is once you have a burden for salvation, it is at the time that you signed up to serve the Lord with your family. And you said, me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Me and my husband or me and myself are going to serve God. And I'm going to use my free time to serve God and be at church. I have a burden for Christ and those that are not saved. And I'm a leader. I'm a builder in church. When you do that, you become an automatic target for the enemy. And all of hell will oppose you. Do not be surprised. When you sign up to serve, when you sign up to serve God, when you sign up to lead, when you signed up to build, all of hell will oppose you. Do not be surprised. There are people that ask themselves, man, everything was kind of calm, and then I started to serve the Lord, and everything went crazy in my life. What happened? Everything was good. Well, guess what happened? You got serious with God. And the moment that you get serious with God, 
the enemy is going to oppose you. All of hell is going to try to stop you. You know who was present here when they were building the wall? God was present. But you know who else was present when, we were, when they were building the wall? The enemy was also present. I think it's important that we remember that. Sometimes we're trying to build things in life, whether it's a career or whether it's a ministry, whether it's a family, and God is present. But guess who also is present? The enemy is also present. And the enemy wants to ruin everything you're trying to build. I'll tell you who Satan doesn't want to ruin. Satan will never bother a half-hearted person. Satan will never bother a half-hearted person until that person gets desperate for God. The moment that you get desperate for God, then the enemy starts to come. And the enemy here is ready to stop the work now. Because the world, the Satan, the enemy is angry at any message that exposes sin. You think about the world that we live in today. The, the world is angry at the message that we're exposing of sin through God's word. The message maybe of abortion. The message maybe of homosexuality. The world gets angry when we expose or the word of God or the church exposes sin. The world gets angry. Satan gets angry when we expose sin. And we see here that he tries to stop them with discouragement. Why? Because discouragement is a powerful weapon. And some people have said discouragement is somewhat the opposite. And I want you to remember that discouragement is the opposite of faith. <laughs> discouragement is the opposite of faith. It is the opposite of faith. Because where faith believes in God and where faith loves God and where faith believes in God's promises, discouragement looks to believe the worst. Have you ever had faith and you believed in the promises, that, that your promise still stands, that great is your faithfulness? That is your faith believing it, but your discouragement will always believe the worst. Discouragement is the opposite of faith. And it tends really to pretty much forget about who God is and discouragement forgets about what God promised to do. When you're discouraged, guess what happens? You forget who God is and what He promised to do. But when you have full faith, guess what happens? You start to believe in the promises of God. And the more here that Nehemiah tried to alleviate himself from these attacks from Sambalai and from Tobiah, the, the greater it became. You see, sometimes we try to alleviate ourselves from that attack and we feel like, man, I keep trying to get attack away from me. I try to become victorious over that already. And the more that I try, the heavier that discouragement, the opposition, the criticism, the attacks are, are, are growing. You know what their goal was? To really destroy hope and instill fear. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you today. He, I don't know what season you've come in today, but if you come in with the burden, the enemy wants to destroy any hope that you possibly have on restoring and he wants to instill fear in you so that you never even try to build ever again. The enemy will try to destroy any hope that things are going to get better. And it will instill fear in you so that you don't even try to build ever again. But are you going to allow to be overtaken by discouragement, to be paralyzed by discouragement? I pray you don't. There's so many people that sit and wallow and live in discouragement. God has not called you to live in discouragement. God has called you to live in faith, not in discouragement. And if today maybe you need to step, snap out of that discouragement, to step back into faith, maybe that's why God brought you today. Because He doesn't want you to live in discouragement anymore. He wants you to live in faith. It says here in Nehemiah 4, and we're going to read this first portion of Nehemiah today. 
Because he's going to talk to us about how to overcome opposition. Is specifically talking about external or outside discouragement coming our way. It says, but it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from of heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him and he said whatever they build even if a fox goes up on it he will break that stone wall let's go ahead and pray lord we thank you we thank you lord because you rebuild from ruins and i pray lord that today as we are rebuilding from any type of ruins the ruins of prayer the ruins of devotion the ruins of our family the ruins of our personal reading and praying time and our commitment with, the, with you, Lord, that we will not allow discouragement to come our way and stop us from doing what you call us to do. So many times we let discouragement paralyze us, stop us, hold us back, lead us to backslide, and all of the above. We pray that we would not let discouragement do that to us any longer, that we would overcome it. In Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. Look what it says here as we read chapter 4, verse 1. What had happened when Sambalat heard that they were, or that we were, rebuilding the wall. I love it here. He always uses the pronoun we. When they heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that we were trying to do something about the situation, that we were building something that God called us to do, whatever it was. Whenever the enemy knows that you're trying to rebuild your prayer life, that you're trying to rebuild your devotional life, that you're trying to rebuild your family, your marriage, whenever the enemy knows that you are trying to rebuild, look what happens here, that here, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Opposition. Immediate opposition. Why? Because they were moved with jealousy, because they were moved with pride, with, because they were moved with insecurity, right? And, and they were indignant. They were furious. You know what this means? That they were burning with rage. Whenever the enemy knows that you are trying to rebuild something and the walls are slowly coming up, the enemy is burning with rage. We have to understand this. And look what, the, what they do, the enemy. They mocked the Jews. How did they mock the Jews? They started to ridicule them. One of the most humiliating things that really presses encouragement to, discouragement to come upon you is ridicule. <laughs> Is mocking. It's feeling humiliated. It's so discouraging. When you're trying to build something and then you get, you get ridiculed. You feel humiliated by uh, someone from outside that, are, uh, that, that, that maybe possibly are ridiculing you or they're mocking your effort. Have you ever tried to do something and you're working at it so hard and then someone is just mocking your effort and your time and your energy and you just feel so discouraged? Well, that's what's happening here. Nehemiah and the rest of the Jews are trying so hard to rebuild what had been in ruins for so long, for a hundred years in ruins. And here comes the enemy and says, what do you think you're trying to accomplish? Have you ever felt the enemy's trying to tell you that? You're trying to rebuild something. You're trying to pray for that family member that come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the enemy is so discouraging. And he says, what do you think you're doing? You actually think that they're going to come to know Jesus? You actually think that the Lord is going to give you back your family? 
And look what, it, look what it says here now. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria. Think about what here Samuel is doing. He's speaking in public bad about his own brethren, the Jews. And he says, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? What do, you, what do they think they're doing? And he uses the word feeble. You know what the word feeble means? What do these weak people think they're doing? Have you ever felt weak? Or do you feel like I'm not qualified? I'm too tired. My, my, our group is not big enough. My family is not strong enough. I don't have the enough experience. I feel little. I feel weak. Sometimes the enemy will even tell you that. What, what do you think your church is doing with a little prayer meeting? What do you think you're doing with that little experience? Why? Because the world, the enemy judges everything by size, by headlines, by numbers. And maybe you feel even ridiculed in your own home. There's been times where maybe a wife ridicules a husband that's wanting to seek the Lord, that wants to serve the Lord. Or maybe the husband is ridiculing the wife for wanting more of Jesus. And one of them wants to serve the Lord, but the other one is ridiculing them to, to discourage them from doing what God called them to do. And what about parents discouraging their children from wanting the, having the desire of seeking and being equipped more with Jesus? Oh, you want to... You want to learn more about God. You want to invest in your relationship with the Lord. What is that going to give you? That's not going to give you nothing. That's not going to make you any money. You see, naturally, we want to be encouraged because ridicule is humiliating. And here they were being ridiculed. They're saying, look what it says here in the rest of verse 2. What are, they, what are those weak Jews going to do? And maybe today you feel like you are one of the weak Jews. Maybe you feel like you're one of the weak persons trying to rebuild the wall and you feel like I'm not qualified I feel so weak and I have the oppression I have the opposition I have the pressure that I'm feeling the criticism the discouragement is slowly settling in you know what happens when you start to rebuild a wall when you start something what happens everybody's hype everybody's excited everybody wants to be a part of the wall oh man they're building a wall over there oh man the church is starting up yes I want to be a part of that what happens after four to six months after seven eight months twelve months goes by what happens the excitement starts to swell down and then you start to know that discouragement settles in when you start to feel an opposition that's why we ought to never be geared and, and wired and led by our emotions. I'll tell you that today. Do not be led by our emotions. Because it's dangerous. It will, it will get you stuck in your discouragement. Don't be led by what you don't know. Be led by what you do know. And that's the promises of God. Too many times we're led by what we don't know. <laughs> why would you ever be led by that? That's your emotions, what you don't know. Be led by what you do know. That's the word of God. Look what it says in verse 2 now. Will they, what are the weak people doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they strengthen themselves? Do they think that they're going to repair the damage? Do they think that they're going to strengthen what, what, what has been weak for so long? Do they actually believe that? As the enemy sometimes tells you that. Do you actually believe that God's going to bless you? You're so weak. You're unqualified. Of course not. You think that actually the Lord's going to bring that person in your life? No. You think the Lord's going to give you that promotion at work? Absolutely not. You think that God's going to provide for you? No way. And look what it says now. What are they doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? They, they start to mock them, make fun of them. Will they revive the stones of heaps? You know what heaps are? Mountains. Heaps of trash or rubbish. Stones that are burned. One of the things that we're going to have to really remember in this chapter is that the walls were not only torn down, but because the gates were burned with fire, it was heaps 
and piles and hills and mountains of rubbish, of, of burnt stone. And you know what they're saying here? Will they revive the stones that are burned? Are they actually, do they actually think that they can complete this? They might start, but they're never going to finish. Oh man, it's so sad when people start to feel that way. Oh, you started something, but it's not going to get done. You think you're actually going to do that? You, you think you're actually, the Lord's going to bless a Bible study? You, you actually think that God's going to provide for a place? Do you actually think that you'll actually have that relationship with God that you once did? That you'll serve the Lord at the capacity that He's put in your heart and in your mind to do? And, and the discouragement starts to settle in. And think about what happens here because they, he, they tell him, are you going to rebuild the rubbish stones that are burned? How many of us here know that God can make a new work from stones that have been burned in the past? <laughs> Sometimes we think those stones have been burned. God can do a new beautiful work with stones that have been burned in the past because God is the master craftsman. You know the promise that they had in Isaiah? In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, if you want to write it down, it's a beautiful promise, is that God would give them beauty for ashes. <laughs> These burned stones were the ashes that God was going to give them beauty for if they would return to Him. And today, maybe the Lord wants to tell you that. I want to give you beauty from ashes. From ashes that, that are in your house. From ashes that are in your mind. From ashes that are in your heart. From ashes that you look all around you and it's all just ashes now. But God wants to give you beauty from ashes because God can make a new work from stones that have been burned in the past. God is the master craftsman. And you know what they're doing? They're bringing discouragement in here by criticism. And the fastest way to get discouraged is by comparing yourself to someone else. Is by comparing to yourself, how come I'm not in the same place that they are? By criticizing, letting others criticize you. Not being sure of what God has called you. Because we have to live by faith, not by discouragement, not by fear. Discouragement instills fear in us. You see, we work different under faith than under discouragement. You work completely different when you're working in faith and you're working in discouragement. We pray different when we're in discouragement and when we're in faith, we pray different under, than, than when we're in discouragement. We read the Bible different when we're in discouragement than when we are under faith. That's what we must protect ourselves. This is why Satan works so hard around the clock to keep us from faith and to keep us in discouragement. Today, Satan is working to keep you from faith and to keep you in discouragement. The, the question today is, will you allow him? Will you stay wallowing in discouragement when God has called you into faith? Hebrews 10 and 11 talk all about faith, the hall of faith. And it says, Hebrews 10, 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We're not going to draw back in discouragement. We're going to press on in faith. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We believe God. And we believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Let's finish reading here. Verse 3, will they now, verse 2, I'm sorry, will they now restore and revive the stones that have been burned? Notice that word here, revive. Revive. Today, God wants to revive. In Psalms, 
85, verse 6, the psalmist David, the worshiper, he says this, Will you not revive us again? Psalms 85, 6, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? God wants to revive you today again so that you can rejoice in Him. So that you can walk into church with a different countenance and say, I'm walking in in faith. I'm not walking in discouragement. So that you can open up your Bible and say, I'm opening up my Bible in faith. I'm not opening up my Bible in discouragement. So I can go into the prayer closet in faith and say, I'm walking in here in faith. I'm not walking in here in discouragement. And, and think about what they're about to say in verse 3. Now Tobiah Ammonite was beside him, and whatever they built, as he said, whatever they built, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. I mean, this is a different level now of discouragement. <laughs> Imagine you're going to build your wall. Man, I, I, I can't wait till the day a fox goes by that wall and the entire wall collapses. <laughs> I can't wait that day where, where you have to work that extra hour at work and then your husband or your wife, you know, doesn't come home. And, and what does the enemy say, right? Starts to put discouragement in your mind. You know what, uh, the, the, hear this, uh, this illustration of the fox? They were challenging their weakness. They were talking. And you understand that from verse 2 or 3, that Sambalat spoke in verse 1 and 2, but then Tobiah jumped in in verse 3. Because people that always bring discouragement news, guess what? They always flock together. They always want to be together. And they, and they say, look, even a fox comes, guess what happens? He will break their stone wall. Their stone wall. Understand this. It wasn't their wall. It was God's wall. It was God's wall. And he was criticizing Tobiah and Samuel. They were criticizing God's wall. They were criticizing God's work. When we start to criticize and, and critics who bring nothing but discouragement often miss that what they're talking about, it belongs to God. It is not ours. And, and, and Jesus loves His church. Jesus loves His people. Therefore, we should always be very careful that we don't talk bad about His people, about His work, about His wall, about His ministry. It's not theirs. It's God's. We have to be very careful. Think about how sometimes we start to, instead of build, oppose. Oh man, if I can be a part of that, then the wall would be much stronger. No, here they're talking about the work like it belongs to man. This work belongs to God. And when it belongs to God, guess what? No one can overthrow it. If you let God build it, then no one can overthrow it. No one can overthrow it. Verse 4, it says, now look what it says. Here, O God, for we are despised. So now he starts to... Pray to God to deliver him and to defend them. Hear, O God, for we are despised. We are now here being reproached. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. He tells them, go and, and treat them as their captive. Take them to a foreign land. You know what he's really doing here? He's calling on to God to conquer his enemies. When was the last time you said, Lord, I want you to conquer my enemies? Lord, I want you to hear my situation. They're mocking me. Those that are mocking me, that they would be like captives in a foreign land. That don't ignore their guilt, God. Don't blot out or dismiss their sin. That's what he's saying. That they have provoked anger in front of your people. Verse 5. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. What does he, he do? He does exactly what he needs to do. He takes it to the Lord. He doesn't try to get even. He doesn't try to work things out on his own way. He takes the Lord and says, Lord, deal with them yourself. 
You know what the worst thing that we can do when we know we're being, getting criticized or opposed or discouraged? It's to try to deal with it ourselves. Nehemiah goes and he says, Lord, you deal with it. You do it, Lord. Lord, you defend. Lord, you deliver us. In Psalms 123, verse 3 and 4, it says, Have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy on us, God. The psalmist David said, For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with scorn of those who are at ease, with contempt of the proud. What is Nehemiah teaching us here? That the best way to overcome opposition, the best way to overcome discouragement, is to give it to God. You want to overcome discouragement? Then don't hold on to it. You want to overcome opposition? Then don't try to fight it against it yourself. Give it to God. Give the discouragement to God. Give the opposition to God. Because for Nehemiah here, guess what happens here? Nehemiah here teaches us that prayer is your first resource. It wasn't his last resource. <laughs> How many times you felt you're getting attacked and you try everything. And then you say, all right, we tried everything and nothing worked. Let's pray now. And you try prayer to be your last resource. Prayer ought to be your first resource. And when it is your first resource, it will also be your last resource. <laughs> because you let God deal with it. Nehemiah first asked God's attention and he asked God's mercy in the beginning of the book of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah also, as he started to rebuild the wall, he also needed to know that God, a sense that God's presence and care was with him. So you know what he did? He grabbed the work and he gave the work to God. And he said, Lord, this work belongs to you. The opposition, we give it to you, Lord. I don't want to be distracted from doing what you called me to do. You know what, you, what also happens in discouragement? Discouragement also distracts you from doing what God called you to do. Man, there have been seasons maybe in your life where you feel so discouraged that you can't, you can't even think about what God called you to do because you're filled with discouragement. That you don't even want to do it. That you want to just throw in the towel because the discouragement has become so heavy and so thick in your life that you have become distracted from doing what God called you to do. You see, and today it's the day that we go back on track. Because he prays here, and in verse 6 we see an answer to prayer. What is the answer to prayer? It's in verse 6. So we built the wall. <laughs> they talk bad about us. They oppose us. They criticize us. They made fun of that we are weak. You know what we did? So we built a wall. <laughs> you see, how many times have you had problems at home or at work or in your own spiritual walk? You feel discouraged. You don't even feel like God's speaking to you when you are reading the Bible. You don't feel like when you're praying that you feel anything, that, that when, when, when you come to church that, that, that there's a sense of God's presence anymore, right? So you start to get discouraged and, and guess what you naturally want to do? You naturally want to call it quits and say, I'm just going to God sit on the sideline on the bench until I feel better now, right? But look what Nehemiah does. He says, I feel the opposition, so I'm going to get to work. This is an amazing attitude. Do you feel the opposition? So build a wall. The Lord, you're attacking my family, so I'm going to keep building the wall. Lord, you're attacking my mind, I'm going to keep building that wall. Lord, you're attacking maybe my spiritual walk. I'm feeling the attacks of the spiritual from, from the opposition. I feel it, Lord. So I'm going to keep building that wall. Keep building the wall. You feel discouraged? Keep building the wall. You feel opposed? Keep building the wall. You feel distracted and discouraged? Keep building the wall. Be focusing on what God called you to do. And it says, so we built the wall. We were discouraged. We were oppressed. We were persecuted. We were criticized. We were ridiculed. We were everything and all of the above. So we built the wall. 
The enemy wanted to stop him, so he built the wall. And what a comforting line here says, and the entire wall, think about this, was joined together. There was here, was joined together up to half its height for the people, here we go, had a mind to work. This is the answer to prayer. You know what the Lord, how the Lord answered the prayer of Nehemiah? He didn't answer the prayer by stopping the opposition. He didn't answer the prayer by making them weak. He answered the prayer by making him strong. <laughs> I think sometimes we ask, Lord, remove them, make them weak against me, instead of saying, Lord, make me stronger against the opposition. You know what the Lord did for Nehemiah? The Lord gave them a mind to work so that they would not be overcome by the opposition, but that they would become overcomers of discouragement. This is so important here. He gave them a mind to work. This was the answer to prayer. He gave them a mind to work so the entire wall was built up to half its height. Now we have some progress now. The Lord said, all right, the discouragement is coming, so I'm going to give them a mind to work. I, 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 I would encourage you today, if you're discouraged, ask the Lord, Lord, I'm discouraged today. I feel opposed. Give me a mind to work. To work through the discouragement. To work through the opposition. To work through the times where I don't feel you speaking to me. To work through the times where maybe I don't feel love. Lord, give me a mind to work. Because that's where the spiritual warfare begins. In the mind. And if you don't protect the mind, guess what? You're going to just sit it out. You see, the mind to work also speaks about this. The New Living Translation says that the mind to work speaks about an attitude because it says they worked, here we go, with enthusiasm. <laughs> oh man, have you ever tried to work with a good attitude, with enthusiasm, when you feel discouraged? That, I mean, enthusiasm literally is an, is an antonym for discouragement, enthusiasm. <laughs> it is the complete opposite. But they work with enthusiasm, with a good attitude, with joy, even amongst now the opposition. And they had a mind to work to the point that you're going to see in verse, verse chapter 4 that they were on the job seven days a week, night and day, because they had a mind to work. You know what we want to do when we get discouraged? You know what we immediately want to do? We don't want to be at the wall. We don't want to show up to the wall anymore. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm getting discouraged. Give me a mind to work. Give me a mind to work because a mind to work, I'll tell you this, is a gift from God. A mind to work is a gift from God. Right? And no significant job, no impact will ever be accomplished until people come together with a mind to work. Lord, would you give us a mind to work so that you can accomplish something great? Will you give us a mind to work so that we can finish what, Lord, you started in us? This is exactly what the enemy wants to destroy when he attacks. You know what he wants to destroy? What does he want to attack first? Your mind. So that you don't have a mind to work. <laughs> because if you don't have a mind to work, then he stops you. So we ought to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm going through discouragement. Give me a mind to work because the enemy is going to try to give me a mind not to work. So the people had a mind to work. He wants to make us feel defeated. The enemy wants to make us feel passive. The enemy wants to make us feel self-focused. You know when you don't have a mind to work? When you're self-focused. Oh, poor me. You don't have a mind to work no more. Discouraged. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind 
me and you, which is also in Christ Jesus, this mind. What mind that was in Christ Jesus? A mind to serve, a mind to stay humble. You want the mind of Christ? It's the mind of humility and it's the mind of service. It's the mind of humility and it's the mind of service. The work here was half finished. It was up to half its height. This was an exciting time. This was so exciting. Much had been done already. But there was still much to do. There was still much to do. And this is the time where fatigue and discouragement start to settle in, start to sit, sit in. And we cannot give fatigue and discouragement an opportunity to stop us. When you start to get comfortable, guess what you also start to do? You start to become complacent. And then when you become complacent, discouragement starts to come in. Look what happens here in verse 7. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Astrodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored. You have to be kidding me. They could not stop these people from building. No matter what they did, they could not stop them, it says. And that the gaps were beginning to be closed. Today, are you those that are filling in the gaps? There are gaps in the walls. Are you filling in those gaps? I always love it. It's so encouraging when you see women fill in the gap. When you see men fill in the gap. You know, you know you're called to fill in the gap in your house, in your marriage. And maybe your wife or maybe your husband is an, is an under spiritual warfare. You know what God's called you to do? To fill in the gap. <laughs> maybe your brother needs encouragement. What has God called you to do? To fill in the gap. Instead of complaining about so many open areas or exposed areas that the enemy can so easily attack, God's calling you to fill in the gap. I see that person so discouraged, God's called you to fill in that gap and encourage that person. Oh, I, I see the Lord attacking my home, then God's called you as a man or a woman of the Lord to fill in the gap. Fill in the gap there. It says here, when they saw that they were filling in the gap, look what they're doing here. Because the gaps were being closed. You know what happens when the gaps are closed? It means that the enemy can't come in. Wife, woman of the Lord, maybe God's calling you to close in that gap right now. God's calling you to close that gap right now so the enemy doesn't come in. Mother, maybe God's calling you to close in that gap so the enemy doesn't come into your children. Husband, maybe God's calling you to close in that gap because maybe your wife is not, not, not there and she's under spiritual warfare. Close the gap. Don't let the enemy come in. Close the gaps that are exposed. That they, it says it here, that they are beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. Man, these people were angry because of what? What was happening here? What was happening in verse 7? There's a big word, restoration. They were restored. Underline that, highlight that, circle that in your Bible. Verse 7, that they were being restored. You're being restored, the enemy's angry. You're being restored, the enemy's angry. The gaps are being closed. You're meeting the gap. You're there, you're stepping in, you're filling in the gap. Guess what? The enemy is not happy. And it says, And all of them conspired to come together and attack Jerusalem. Guess what here? Create confusion. Have you ever felt discouraged? You know why you feel sometimes discouraged? I've felt discouraged in my life before because the enemy comes in. The enemy comes in and he starts to confuse you. And it discourages you. You start to think, wait, wait a minute. Am I, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I really supposed to be doing this right now? And what does the enemy want to do? Confuse you so that you stop. Wait, Lord, you, you call me to build the wall and I'm filling in the gap right now because that's what you've called me in this season to do, to fill in that gap, to build that wall. And the enemy wants to come in and conspire confusion. 
God is not a God and an author of confusion. He is a God of order. And you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants, he's the author of confusion, of division. That's why the enemy also want, always wants to come and confuse you so you stop building the wall. See, don't be confused today. Be committed. <laughs> don't be confused. Be committed. Because you know what your commitment does? It gives you that mind to, to work. To say, Lord, I'm committed to that wall. Verse 9, as we end. Nevertheless, and I want you to underline this, we, underline we, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. You know what I love about this? This is the second time in only nine verses that they're being opposed. Second time in only nine verses. This is about the fourth time that Samuel and Tobiah come in the scene in the book of Nehemiah. What does the church do? What does the Nehemiah do? What does he do? Not only does he teach us that we ought to pray personally in verse 4 and in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, but he teaches us also that we ought to pray corporately. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. You know what you have to do when you're discouraged? Pray with someone. <laughs> A lot of times we want to complain to someone instead of praying with someone. Teaching us about corporate prayer through discouragement. Corporate prayer. We made prayer to our God. God here is teaching us through His Word that we ought to never try to go through discouragement alone. That's the worst thing you can do. Keep it to yourself. God's not called you to go through discouragement alone. He has called you to work through discouragement together. Not alone, but together here. They responded by praying, by calling out to God. It says here, we made our prayer to God and because of them. We made our prayer to God and because of them, guess what they also do? We set up a watch. They're vigilant. Not only did they pray, but they set watch. A watch when? Against them day and night. You know what they were doing day and night? They were watching. They were, there's a word you, call, you use for this. This is something Jesus did. They were being vigilant. Not only were they saying, we're going to pray, but also we're going to watch. We're going to pray, but we're also going to watch. You know why they were going to watch? Because they wanted to also be able to stop any further attacks from the enemy. And therefore, they were going to watch. And no, they were only going to watch night, the day, but they're also going to watch also night. This is being vigilant. Vigilant means that you're awake. Vigilant means that you're alert. <laughs> vigilant means that you're not sleeping. <laughs> It means that I am alert. The enemy is, may come. I'm a prey, but I'm also going to watch. With Psalms 50, 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. The Lord is speaking here. And I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Call on Him. He's going to deliver you. You shall glorify Him. Call on Him. We learn three things here in this chapter. The people, number one, write this down. The people had a mind to work. Number two, they had a heart to pray. And number three, they had an eye to watch. <laughs> You're going through discouragement? Ask God, give me a mind to work. I'm going through discouragement, give me a heart to pray. I'm going through discouragement, give me an eye to watch. You know what happens, how you really go back into discouragement quickly? When you don't have an eye to watch the attacks that are coming your way. Lord, I'm going through some opposition. Give me a mind to work. Give me a heart to pray. Give me an eye to watch. Let me be vigilant. 
How did Jesus overcome the, all the spiritual attacks? What did He do? Jesus literally overcame the enemy by whole and entire nights of prayer. That's why we have to come together to pray, men and women. That's why you're going to, through discouragement. The only place that you belong to, belong at, is at church praying with the brother and sister. And I pray today that if you're discouraged, that you would not leave without praying with someone. That you would not ignore the call to prayer. Because they prayed together. Jesus overcame the enemy with entire nights of prayer. What was He doing in prayer? In prayer, guess what you do in prayer? You're being dressed in the armor of God. You know how you don't, you're, you're not dressed in the armor of God when you don't pray? I, I, one of the, my favorite articles of the armor of God is the helmet. You know what you have to, and the only way you put on that full armor is when you're praying. You start to become dressed and clothed. And the prayer closet exists some clothing, and that's the armor of God. <laughs> that's amazing. Lord, I want to go into the closet of prayer because I want to get the articles of the armor of God. But the helmet, you know what the helmet protects? It protects your mind from discouragement. When you have that helmet on because you've been praying, guess what? You're going to get protected from discouragement. And I love these people here, what they do, because they're not too heavenly minded where they're saying, we're just going to pray and we're not going to do nothing. That They're so heavenly and so spiritual that they're not good for any type of earthly use. <laughs> because they're so heavenly. No, they know how to... You know what Nehemiah here does? He knew how to organize, but he also knew how to agonize. Are you doing both today? Are you organizing, but then also are you agonizing? Are you agonizing? And then also, are you organizing? Set a watch. Maybe there's a particular area of your life that you need some accountability in. And instead of just praying and keeping it to yourself, why don't you set a watch and say, Hey, brother, sister, would you help me until I can walk consistent victory in this area of my life? Because your prayers don't replace your actions. They make our actions more effective when you pray. That means that you ought to pray and they ought to set a watch. You see, this is exactly what we're learning here, that when they set a watch, they're saying, and they're praying, we're saying, Lord, we trust you. We're living by faith, but a faith that is backed up by actions, not just words, right? Not just words. And at that point, they become less concerned about the ridicule and more concerned about the calling. Be less concerned about the ridicule and more of the enemy and more concerned about the calling that God's called you. What has He called you to do? To overcome discouragement. How do you overcome discouragement? By going into prayer. Praying together. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 9. It says what? It tells us to, to be anxious for nothing but in prayer. With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Right? And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. Guess what it's going to also guard? Your mind. <laughs> guard the mind. By prayer, by supplication, guard the mind from discouragement. And, and, and I love it because later on in that very chapter, you know what it tells us that what a prayer allows you to do? Why don't you turn with me to Philippians 4? Because we're going to end here now, Philippians 4. Because when you pray, it guards your mind, it guards your heart, it guards your mind from discouragement. And right after that, not only did the peace of God surpasses all understanding that guards that, but Philippians 4 verse 8, look what, it, what prayer also allows you to do. It allows you to start to think about things that you don't usually think about. Finally, brethren, and this is for you today. This is for you. 
This is for you discouraged man or woman that need to guard your mind. That after you've prayed, after you've given your anxiety and exchanged it for prayer, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Wow. God wants you to meditate on these things today. He doesn't want you to stay discouraged. He wants you to meditate on these things. Not on those things, <laughs> on these things. The things that you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Not only are you going to have the peace of God, but the God of peace will also be with you when you meditate on Guess what? Here we go. These things. Meditate on these things today. You know how you meditate on these things? By taking these things to the prayer closet and saying, it's in the prayer closet where I'm dressed with the armor of God. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we want to meditate on these things. Yes, opposition is coming. Yes, opposition is growing. Give us a mind to work a heart to pray, and an eye to watch. Let us take action that would support our prayer. Lord, let us meditate on these things. And I pray for anyone that's going through discouragement in any area of their lives. Maybe for a husband or a, a wife. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage. For a spouse that is called to fill in the gap, to close the gap, I pray that today we would close the gaps in the ministry, at church, at home, that we would close the gap even in our own lives. It is in Jesus' name we're praying. And together we said, Amen.